When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And for any of you doubters there, any of you conspiracy theorists who have not believed in global warming and climate change, we finally have the evidence that's going to convince you. Big Dunk Ferguson has said the Earth is warming up, isn't it? And if you want to argue with him, go for it. I wouldn't want to argue with him. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey Rory, how are you? More importantly, mate, how's your week been so far? Um, yeah, good week, good week. Um, not much football on this midweek, so I kind of yeah. had a few nights off. I have watched highlights, don't worry listeners, but I've had a few <laughs> nights off from football because even myself need a bit of a rest at times and like, you know, watch watch Catfish with the missus and have a bit of a normal TV, if you know what <laughs> I mean. Uh, but yeah, not a bad week. Um, looking forward to this weekend. Um it kind of weather's getting a bit better in Milan so yeah not bad how's your week been mate it's been good work's been quite hectic it's been very busy like like extremely busy but like you say I've kind of been a bit lost with the lack of football but then it's also as you say it's been quite nice and I think we've not even had much in the way of transfer kind of rooms, which is kind of what I think we'll talk about later in the mm. show. But yeah, I, I do feel a bit lost in this window. It feels like something will be brewing, but it'll probably be like a mad scramble for like the last like day or two. It does feel mm. like that's going to happen, right? Yeah, I think it's kind of a calm before the storm. I mm. think there's a lot of teams kind of gearing up and trying to see what everyone else is yeah. doing. We've got... We're going to get into it, but we've got Arsenal and Chelsea kind of getting this grudge now in the transfer market of who's <laughs> going to blink first and only mm. Chelsea wanting the players we go after. Um, so it's kind of, I think there's a lot of teams trying to size each other up. It's yeah. all Premier League, pretty much. Um, we're going to get onto that mm. as well, uh, the massive imbalance of what's happening. But um, yeah, it kind of feels like I think this transfer deadline day could be a big one lots of last minute big mm. moves um i think there's still a lot of clubs that haven't done a lot of business like manchester united haven't mm. done a lot um liverpool are seemingly not going to do anything but i wouldn't be surprised if so. something comes through the door um yeah there's still quite a few teams to make their first move so it shall be interesting spurs finally backing conte it looks like or starting to try and back conte yeah um more or less Ish. trying to look like they are back in Conte maybe <laughs> yeah. is a better way to do it um but yeah it should be an interesting transfer deadline day we will be there to discuss it the Friday afterwards I can't remember is it a Tuesday Probably. deadline day it's Wednesday isn't it Wednesday is it Wednesday yeah. the first Wednesday yeah first, I think so Wednesday yeah. nice we will be there but in this show this week we are going to be talking about quickly Carabao Cup action and um, mm. we're going to be talking a midweek destruction in Rome in Serie A as Milan's mm. woes continue. We're going to be talking transfer business and then we're going to be previewing the weekend as we've got FA Cup action, including Arsenal against Manchester City on Friday night and a big weekend in Serie A, including 
Del Be Della Sole between Roma and Napoli. So big things to look forward to. But before we go, Ian, I've got a question for you, Adam. As FIFA have seemingly brought in the Todd Bowley rule, meaning that you can now maximum offer five-year contracts to players to stop <laughs> um, anti-amortization um, tactics. Right, yeah. If you could bring in one rule to target one club specifically, what would it be and what club are you targeting? I'm going to target PSG and my rule would be for every player that they buy, they have to sell one immediately. Oh, nice. I like it. I like it. Yes. Very good. They can't hoover up all of Ligue 1's talent. Exactly. Exactly. Just create that balance, right? (laughs) And it means they can't create that desired squad either at the same time. (laughs) No more fantasy football. No more fantasy (laughs) football in Paris. Um, I've had a quick think about it. And my rule is going to be a team that I really despise, but don't talk about that much because they're not in the Premier League anymore, is Stoke City. So I'm going to introduce a rule where they can not sign a player over six foot and they can't pass (laughs) the ball further than 10 yards and see if the locals still enjoy the football. I know it's technically (laughs) two rules, but I'm going to impose that rule on Stoke City. No players over six foot, no passes over 10 yards. Let's see total football at the Britannia. Let's see if it works, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, I think Nathan Jones tried and died <laughs> by that sword, but yeah, <laughs> let's give it a let's, try. Let's, let's give it force a try. him to have another go. <laughs> let's force him to have another go. <laughs> so, listeners, we are going to take a quick break. After that, we are going to discuss all the midweek action. See you there. And here we are. It's time for the euro midweek review not much football this week not much to talk about but there's a little bit we had i think we're going to start should we start in italy or start in england i think italy's got the bigger got the bigger headlines right yeah yeah certo so on i'm trying to remember tuesday night tuesday night or was it last night tuesday night it was Tuesday. tuesday night um lazio absolutely demolish milan 4 nil to continue this what is turning into a pretty bad run of form for the Rossoneri? 4-0 to Lazio. We saw Sari Ball starting to click. We're seeing it a bit more. We're seeing flashes of it, yeah. if they can get that consistency. But, Adam, how convincing was this win? Let's talk about Lazio before we just tear into yeah. Milan. Yeah. yeah, and we will tear into Milan. Um, but, yeah, incredible performance. I mean... Didn't expect that kind of demolition. I think I was expecting Milan to have a bit more fight, but I mean, Zakani, Pedro, Pedro, even, I mean, Sergei Milinkovic Savic actually getting a goal was kind of a <laughs> big story in itself. Um, I appreciate it was within three minutes, but even so, that was just incredible. And if you look at the form for like Lazio, it, it definitely seems like it's in their favor at the moment. Um, but just everything about the way Lazio played was just superb. They were solid at the back. They were combative in the midfields. And in the final third, they just looked like electric. They just looked like they were going to damage Milan further. And mm-hmm. the likes of Simon Kier looks just like scared. He just literally looks like an old man that can't keep up with the pace. But it didn't help, you know, some of the other players around him just stood there, didn't really mm-hmm. do much. And it is a worry for Pioli. I, I, I just, 
there's been a lot of calls about trying to change his formation because he's stuck with this kind of religious formation of it's like a four two three one essentially but it's not working it's like they're toothless up top they're really poor at the back they're very porous in that sense mm-hmm. but also in the central midfield is like if you talk about the likes of tonali benesser for example and then whoever then comes in for example they're just not doing a solid enough job and mm-hmm. that's one of the points that i was going to call out but I will, let's stick with lazio for a second I, I just think they are cementing that kind of top four place now it does feel like as long as they don't do what they normally do, which is kind of sometimes wobble when it comes to these kind of crunch games, I think they've got a good chance. I mean, what what did you think of Lazio first? I thought we saw, like like I kind of yeah alluded to, we've start we saw more of the flashes of Saudi ball consistently mm. across ninety minutes, and I think the really quick intricate passing patterns, the fast pace. Like Milan were definitely there for the taking, but I think we saw Lazio really hitting, showing what they're capable of, just showing what they're capable mm. of. And I think if they can hit that more consistently and hit that height, then they can definitely like secure this top four place. Now, obviously, the top four race in Serie A at the minute is very, very close. We've got Atalanta in sixth on 35 points, Roma fifth, 37, into fourth, 37, Lazio third, 37. Milan second 38 so all of those teams could drop out or go in right mm-hmm. that is going to be a super like if if there might not be a title race in Serie A this year the in the interesting bit is going to see one if Napoli don't fuck it up but also yeah. who actually gets those three top four spots because it's going to be so so close. I think all those teams have to play each other again because we're now officially into the second half of the season. So there's going to be a lot of t- there's going to be a lot of swings and roundabouts in this race. I think, but Lazio are certainly definitely in the fight. Mm. They just need to get that little bit of consistency. But we have to say, like you said, Milinkovic Savic, he's one of the best midfielders in the league. It kind of feels like he yeah. had his head turned for a bit of this season. It doesn't feel like he was really. Yeah. We weren't seeing him right. Mm, yeah. I hope. That for Lazio's sake, that Sadi has kind of managed to, you know, convince him that, you know, like he is who that team should be built around. He is who that yeah. team is kind of built around. And if they can improve everyone else around him, he's good enough to take that team wherever it needs to go. Like, so I think mm. I really hope Sadi is able to kind of get the best out of him and continue to get the best out of him. Felipe Anderson coming back from West Ham. I oh. thought he was honestly done after West Ham. I thought <laughs> this is a player who's lost interest. He's put on about two stone. He's like mm-hmm. lost, lost the love of the game. And I think just he's one of he's happy in Rome. He's happy at Lazio, yeah. and he's been great for them this season. Zaccagni, we've talked about just banging goals in. Luis Alberto mm-hmm. has kind of been in and out of the team, been on the bench a few games, yeah, coming yeah. off the bench. I think if they can again get him into the team, get him in form, he's a great player as well. Um, so promising signs for Lazio, definitely promising signs. And I think um, with and we're going to get onto them now, but with like Milan and Inter kind of dropping off, like, mm. well, not kind of, massively dropping off, Lazio have got to be there to take advantage. Roma have got to be yeah. there to take advantage because if these teams kind of wake up and find their form again, then they are, they do have better squads than Lazio. They do, they have been consistently better across the past. So Lazio mm. need to take advantage of this opportunity, I think. But Milan, that first goal, the ball goes past about five Milan players. None of them move for it. Yeah. Like there was, I know, like, I think maybe two of them are facing their own goal. So you're not just going to put your foot through it, but no, of course, but put still. a foot on it, but do Make something an to try and 
yeah, to yeah. try and disrupt the run of that ball. It goes straight through. Milinkovic Savage unmarked late run, strokes it into the bottom corner. It was one of it was like they just wanted to hit pause on their defenders. They all yeah. just stood there and like the ball just rolled through. And I think even the tackle from Kalulu to give away the penalty was super lazy. Like all of the defending mm. was just really static, massively out of position. And like I know that like the goalkeeper Tatarashanu, all the Milan fans are ready to kill him now, but like it seems like Mainyan not being there is massive. He, the defense yeah. isn't isn't able to be as organized, and you can see like the mm. nervousness when I was watching it. What I thought was like, oh, this reminds me of when Arsenal had like Mustafi and Socrates at the back and stuff, mm. and there'd be like one mistake, and then all of a sudden everyone would be terrified of making the next mistake. So then yeah. another mistake would happen because you're thinking about it too much. And that's, yeah. I was watching out Milan defensive performance i was like oh I've, I've seen this i've seen this so many times <laughs> like they all just looked petrified and confused and yeah unable to change what was happening like what did you where, where do you think the biggest issues were for milan i really don't know what first what is triggering this kind of form at the moment because as you rightly allude to they've conceded quite a lot of goals i mean up until that lazio game it was already nine goals in the first five so you add those four goals it's now 13 goals in the space of six games which is basically two get uh, two goals a game and you just i was i was reading i was just looking at opinions and everyone's kind of basically pinpointing it towards purely which he has got his faults, you know. We've called it out in the past on this pod around sometimes his man management hasn't been spot on. But it almost feels like since that Roma, def- like it feels like a defeat. I said it almost like was a defeat yeah, just yeah, then, yeah, but yeah. it was a draw. When they were conceding those two quick goals, because don't forget it was 86 minute where they were leading 2-0. From that moment onwards, it feels like the confidence levels have just completely mm-hmm. evaporated from that squad defensively they just don't look assured like they were last season like last season even if they went a goal behind there was always that feeling that they would get a goal they didn't mm-hmm. care it was a bit like you know when Arsenal went behind against Man United there was always that confidence doesn't matter we'll still get it because it was always that confidence level with them but with this Milan squad it just doesn't feel like they've got even the personnel it almost feels mm-hmm. like that and like I alluded to Kiar doesn't look like the same player from last season Giroud is another yeah. one because he has not scored since we were talking offline about this. This was the game that you last went to see. <laughs> I was. I was in the stadium. At the San Siro, which yeah. was against Bezia in November last year, which kind of says it all. But also, Rory, just before I let you get in, this is the worst run Pioli has had at AC Milan since he's taken over. Well, I think he's been, he he was an interesting manager because when he first came in, people were saying like, he wasn't good enough for the job. Who is this guy? Mm. And I was amongst him. I was like, who the hell is this guy? (laughs) What's he doing? He was quietly doing, but he was quietly doing a good job. Mm. And then he's like, obviously won on the Scudetto. And I think actually, when you look across his time, he has done very well at Milan. This is the first rough patch he's hit. And it'll be interesting to see if he can get through it. Um, Quickly, do you think he can get through it? I think they'll give him time. And the reason I say that is because I think they appreciate that there needs to be an evolution at the club, but it's quite Mm -hmm. evident that they haven't got the funds. And this is another thing that I wanted to allude to is in the summer, they spent 35.5 million. 
I don't know on what though, because when I when I live, talk about these players, right? Charles de Catelier was the biggest one at twenty eight million. He's only had one assist and no goals in a thousand five minutes in total that he's contributed. Just to talk about the others, Origi is another one came in on a free, so that's I suppose nothing lost, but that's one goal, one assist. That's it across five hundred seventy nine minutes of play. You've got likes of Sergino Dest, who was supposed to be that kind of bombarding right back has not yeah. contributed a single assist or goal so far 632 minutes they've bought some talent from germany so you've got marcel tiar who is looking like the kind of maybe replacement of kia mm-hmm. he's only played 123 minutes again no like assists or goals in that time Frank, who's is the Belgian midfielder, 153 minutes, just one assist. That's 1.7 million from Wolfsburg. Mm-hmm. I, they just don't seem inspiring. And I thought, you know, let me just have a look at Inter, who we've also been critical of. They have spent 2.7 million. <laughs> yeah. And they, they owe how much? much. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is that. But if you look at the quality of players they got in, so Acherbi, okay, he's not the greatest, but he is. He's been better than I thought he'd be. Better he's definitely standard, been better than I thought he'd he's be. He's a better standard player for Serie A club. Okay, Raul Bellanova, he's a player that I'd say has got potential. He needs mm. game time, probably not at the right club for it. No, but I don't know. You're not what getting past expect. any of those wing backs, really. Onana, Onana, I think was a clever bit of business on a free transfer, so that's a real good one because he's now cementing his place. Aslani's starting to come into it. He's only on loan as well, believe it or mm-hmm. not. Lukaku, yeah, we know what about Lukaku. Moving and on, Mikitarian again, free transfer from Roma. He's yeah, contributed yeah. this season. He's done quite well. So if you look at that kind of level of business, then but these what are two land done. But these are two clubs that have very different philosophies because this is the, true. I, I think Inter are very much the let's not think. Be- and this is the history of their club <laughs> is let's not think beyond our nose. Like they don't yeah. do long term planning. No. Um, so even like Zaniolo, who we're going to talk about, just blindly give him away in a trade deal for a player who's 35 and smokes 20 fags a day, like whatever <laughs> it is, like they don't do long-term planning. But what they do do is they bring in players who can do a job now and they do that pretty well. So you're yeah. right with Mikatari and like, yeah, the players they brought in, Jekko even was just a thing of like, this guy's yeah. going to get us goals now. He's he was written off years. as well. Yeah, he, was he so might only have three years left in him. But he can do a job now. And I think yeah. that's Milan's philosophy. Uh, well, that's Inter's philosophy. With Milan, their philosophy has openly been, we are going to buy players young, develop them, yeah, like achieve stuff with them, and then sell them to the Premier League, right? That's kind of the tactic. And that's going to take patience. That's going to take... Some of the players are going to take longer than others to bed in. Some of the players are going to hit the ground running. You're like, geez, where's this guy come from? Like Liao, yeah. right? Or some of them are going to be a bit quieter, like Charles de Ketteler, and you just have to go, no, we know this guy's got the quality. Mm-hmm. We know this guy's got the technical ability. He just needs to develop his game. He needs to mature. He needs to whatever it is. He needs to bulk up that guy. I think he needs to like, yeah, he still he looks is. a bit lightweight. Yeah. Um, but it just takes a bit of patience. And I think if that is Milan's like modus operandi, which I think it is, they're going to have to give purely time. Otherwise you're not, you're kind of contradicting your own plan. Um, 
I think the, the the bad thing is is that with the league being open so open this year for the Champions League places and that being helped by Juventus just disappearing, yeah. like there's a lot of pressure now. There's a lot more pressure of like, okay, if we do drop that odd point or we do draw instead of win, it could make a huge difference at the end of the season because everyone's basically on yeah. the same points. Exactly. So there's a lot of pressure, but I think I like the way Milan are trying to operate. I like the way that they're trying to be like, you know, clever in the market. And they have still been clever in the market. Bringing in Mainyan for next to nothing is, yeah, is just genius. Like they've still done very well in the transfer market. I just think that there's a mix of loss of confidence and youth. And I think like, and then mm-hmm. the weird thing of, and we talked about it before, old strikers, you're old. All your strikers are old. Like, Mm. Giroud, Origi and Zlatan who as we said is just a cheerleader at this point <laughs> is not your like that's not a front line that's not a, no. a an attacking threat you can't just hope that Leao and Sailor Makers when he does decide he fancies it and turns <sighs> up can yeah. do your job I, I like Sailor Makers as a player but he's just not consistent enough I don't um, think he's good enough personally I don't think he's good really? enough for them yeah and I, I probably extend that to likes of Rebic as well I, oh, Rebic, I, I agree. Salamakers, I like. And this is the thing. I was going to put it to you, Rory. Let's just say, imagine we're, we are playing football manager. I mean, if there was an opportunity to get someone in right now for this window, who do you think is that kind of player that they need to bring in? Because it feels like there's a number of positions they could do with reinforcements. Mm-hmm. But would you go and gamble it on a striker? Or would you go for Zaniolo, as being rumoured? Or would you go for someone else? I mean, you're I shaking your head. Miles away from Zaniolo, I would be. I would honestly be chasing him away from the training ground. Um, I think I'm going to steal it from, and it was an idea kind of put to me. Um, Kyle on Twitter, um, I think he's a Dundalk fan actually, so you know, okay. I'm on the town. Um, we interact every shot on Twitter, and we were talking about Atalanta uh, at the weekend, the three okay, three, yes. and we were talking about Hoyland, and he said Milan should be absolutely all over him, and I thought that is a very good point. Now I know mm. he's like, he's had a good, he's he's not been in Italy long, and he's had a very good start, so yeah. it could be yeah. a kind of like Piontek thing where you just you're on a hot run and then yeah, you're terrible, true. right? And everyone was laughing at Piontek and Milan for buying him, but I think. There is somewhat like a player like Hoyland. I'd be going, yeah, maybe Milan. If if your thing is young players who you're going to develop, bring in, give time, he's been pretty bloody promising. They'd have to throw a lot of money at Atalanta because, well, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's their attacking lineup for the foreseeable future. So they're not yeah. going to want to sell him. But I think a player like that or him would be who yeah. I'd be going for if I was Milan. I think players like Kudos or Ajax would be like, dream case scenario but they, yeah, there's no way they can afford him like i think for italian teams at the moment it's very much trying to buy within italy or you know or loan deals yeah or or belgium or like you know the the that kind of tier of league just Poland below. now Poland, yeah. right yeah exactly i think so i think yeah maybe someone like hoyland or something would be great for milan but my my main priority would be getting a striker that could set you up for the next couple of years because i think okay the short-termism um, won't work for long. As we're seeing at Inter, we've praised them for their short-termism and some of those signings work, but some of them don't. And when they don't, you then have to just buy again a year later and buy again yeah. a year later and you end up buying yourself out of a hole. It's like, it just, uh, yeah, I, I, I think if if they want to go for young strikers, there's not many better than Hoyland in the league that they could get, I think. 
Okay, what, what about you? Where would you be going? I, if I had to say one person right now, I think they do need reinforcements at the back line. Mm-hmm. And there's two that spring to mind just purely on this kind of philosophy of potential to sell on or, you know, become that big star. So the one that I called out in our YouTube short series was Meme Kolli from Atalanta. Mm-hmm. I think he's really solid defensively. Yeah, he's But very also, good. you, you only have to look at Scalvini as well. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy looks incredible. He's tall. He can play anywhere across that kind of back line. He just reminds me of kind of a Kalini-esque defender, mm-hmm. but he yeah, throws yeah, his yeah. body out there. And he scores goals. That's that's the other thing. So I just think maybe off the back of what they're doing at Atalanta, bigger stage, more exposure. Certainly, I think he'll be adapted to that kind of style of. Football. We are just we are just picking apart Atalanta scores. Sorry, Atalanta. <laughs> but I was also thinking about this. The only other players, you know, in the middle of the park, I almost feel like that's where they probably need solidity as well. So Amrabat, for example, I think mm. he'd slide in quite nicely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'm thinking like up top, and I agree with you on that point of like they do need someone who could maybe change it up because they need some youth, definitely. And then you just kind of think who could maybe complement someone like Liao. You kind of touched on Kudos. I think he's a good shout, but that's probably unlikely to ever happen. So then afford. you kind of look at who else is out there. I mean... I, re- I really do struggle because I'm thinking about what clubs have got players that might not be necessarily in the first 11 that could be potentially with an opportunity to play out there. There's no one that springs to mind, really. There's no one that kind of springs as that kind of maybe someone that could go to, I'll throw it out there, Mario Cardi, because, you know, that, that would be quite funny. The absolute quite funny. scenes. <laughs> wonder on the streets of Milan again <laughs> like once again you'd honestly I'd be sat over a cup of water and start shaking just as she <laughs> arrives in the city the impact that would have um yeah for the latest episode of keeping up with the Acardis I think we need that the Mauro signs for Milan I'd quite like that I would quite like yeah, that exactly. um but for Milan look it's just I I think they'll get through this form what is key is that mm. they need Mainian back I'm not sure when he's back. Um, I've not done my due, due diligence. But the second he's back, I think we'll see a sharp, sharp uptake in Milan's form um, because I just feel like that defence just needs a bit of... Um, it needs a bit of organising and it mm. needs that structure again. Because I think Kalulu and Tomori, a couple of weeks ago, we were like, these guys are absolutely crushing it. Kalulu, again, can play across the back line. He's, I, he was a player I thought was buying average and then he was really good. And I was yeah. like, wow, where's this guy come from? So I think, honestly, once you get Mainian back in there, it will be a whole different team. Um, also, maybe if they could get Kessier back on loan would be quite nice um, if he's not happy mm-hmm. at Barcelona. But um, we're going to very quickly, because it was kind of happening while we were talking, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Empoli won into nil yes. at the San Siro. I think it was the first ever win for Empoli at the San Siro. Yeah. Um, Skriniar sent off. Um, and that looks like it's his inter-career over. Um, was that his last game for the club? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I think what came out from his agent, Roberto Statisti, I think is mm-hmm. how he pronounced it. I'm not too sure if that's the right way. But apparently he said that Inter had made contacts about his future from the summer. So believe it or not, I think there was a greed sum with PSG to sell him on. 
but then Inter last minute pulled out of the deal, uh, which was very interesting given that I think it was, what, 70, 80 million that was talked about at the time, which I think would have been a nice kind of sum. But I don't what know. What they could have done with that money. I know, but then Rory, it's clearly the ultras that were on the back of Sunning. Yeah, that yeah. that clearly influenced that decision, I think. that That's why that didn't happen. So then apparently... Inter have gone in in November offering him a new contract and he plainly just said no. Apparently the decision was he said no. So he went in again in January. Again, the decision was no. Hence why Inter have now gone in to make sure Bastoni is signed up as well as Chanalogu, um, which I think is sensible given the circumstances um, because they are going to be the big assets probably if we talk about this summer potentially to sell on if they do have to sell on that is um, they're going to have to finance something I I don't know who that's likely to be because I I struggle with that Inter Milan squad Like, like we've been saying they are for now, but they're not the future. And I don't know who's coming through. I don't really see much in the way of ambition from the board as well, I think it's fair to say. I think Inzaghi might get to a point where he gets really frustrated. But at the same time, the, Inzaghi's winning stuff with that team. Believe it yeah, or not. It's incredible. I mean, you <laughs> it's look incredible. at that team and despite the fact that the, we were talking about how bad that performance was on Monday, they are still winning stuff. They're still in the top four, which is probably you know suitable for them right now. But it just feels like if they could get a bit more backing that team could do a lot more. And, you know, they don't have to splash out money. They just have to be shrewd. And they have been shrewd. This is the thing. I think they've got the right background at the moment in terms of a setup behind the scenes. It just feels like at the moment they just cannot go that much further when it comes to transfer fees. Um, Mm -hmm. They were clever with Lukaku, but it hasn't, like, worked out for them. I think he's gone. I think his legs are just done. And it's fair to say... But then, you know, when they're talking about potentially Scalvini coming in, they're talking about Marcus Turam coming in. I, I, I don't don't know about you, just don't see how they're going to afford it. They've got to ship someone out to yeah, do it. Yeah, I think it will be interesting to see how they do it because they need reinforcements. They need, they need to improve that squad. As we've said, the top four race is tight as hell and they're going to have to add something. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Um, mm. I'm not like you. I'm not convinced they can. I think they're going to have to be find some more free agents knocking about yeah. or promise money in the future. Um, but we do also need to give our credit to Empoli. Um, yeah. The goal scorer, Baldanzi, 19 yeah. years old, attacking midfielder, fourth goal of the season for Empoli. Another youth product coming out of Empoli that could mm. be worth keeping an eye on. Um, Empoli kind of, we were talking about, they're now up to ninth. Right, and they're kind of since coming yeah. into Serie A, they've never really looked in danger. They've just kind of turned up and turned into a mid-table team, and they're really, really beautiful to watch. I think that's now unbeaten in five, three wins in their last five, um, and kind of there's a bit of a gap until you get to the European places. But they're yeah, looking completely at home, and they they beat. I want to say they beat Juventus away last season off the top they of They did, head. yes. yeah. yeah um, they did. So they're starting to get these big results and it's just, it's great to see, right? Really beautiful little club that develops players. Yeah, and I think a uh, special mention for Liam Henderson. He was playing yes. in that kind of register role against uh, Inter, which is 
you, when you look at him, you would go, oh, he's not the kind of player to really offer too much. He's more give him the ball and he'll run. Mm-hmm. He'll just run yeah, for you. Um, but yeah, fair play to him. I think he's gone under the radar a bit because I think other sort of British slash Irish players have been owning Serie A mm-hmm. in the meantime. And he's kind of gone under the radar, done his job. I think Empoli are one of those clubs, though, generally... Everyone has a bit of respect for them because they yeah, yeah, they yeah. do things in the right manner in terms of the way they play. They're not always challenging for that those kind of top spots, but it's nice to see them try and like aspire to be in that top half mix. I think it's you know you've got a nice little mixture of clubs that could do it. We've always kind of said that this is kind of Sassuolo territory, but they're mm-hmm. doing really terribly at the moment. I look at the other teams that are around them. We talked about Lecce a few weeks ago. They've kind of come off the boil a bit recently because of results. Fiorentina seems to be stuck in that mix at the moment. Um, Bologna, another team, Monza. So I think they're better than a lot of those clubs at the moment. Um, I, I just wish they could, you know, if they could spend a bit more then you mm-hmm. could maybe see them challenging the likes of Udinese and even Torino. Because Torino, yeah. you know, for as much as we like calling them out sometimes, they just lack quality across the mm-hmm. team, really. I think Torino always one of those when we play when they play even Juventus, we're always trying to hope that they win their first game against them, but they just don't have that quality. So again, they've got a really good manager in Urich as well. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, Zanetti in Obviously, Empoli doing a really good job. I think he's someone that could be picked up in future. What do you think about him and the way he's gone about his business so far? Yeah, I think he's a he's a manager that's kind of been like exciting for a while. I think when he was at mm. um, now I'm just double checking. He was at Venezia, was he? He was at Venezia. Um, yeah, he was managed at Venezia and did quite well there. And I think this is a club that also has a bit of a history of kind of developing players and managers like mm-hmm. i'm going to go through some of their like players you might know who played for them like mark bresciano um yeah, they had uh, jorge vargas they had ignacio abate marco Borriello, they've had luca toni uh, piotr zielinski was there um mm-hmm. luciano spalletti was player and manager there antonio di natale adair sebastian jovinko massimo macaroni um yeah. Middlesbrough fans, Vincenzo Montella, like there's a lot of great players that have come through this club. And in terms of managers, as I said, like the Spalletti, um, Marco Giampaolo, there's quite a few mm-hmm. like big managers that have come through this team as well. So they're very good at like just giving people the time to develop and giving them that space to develop. And when they get into Serie A, like they, they've been a yo-yo team, I suppose. Mm. But when they come into Serie A, they tend to stay for a while. And hopefully they are here for a while because they yeah. play good football. They play really good football. And Liam Henderson, if you are listening, we have slid into your DMs with an invite to come onto the show. So if you are listening, come onto the show. Um, but I think we're going to move on from Serie A there. That was the yeah. kind of midweek action. We're going to preview in the next part of the show. So for now, we're going to very, very, very quickly do some Carabao Cup semi-finals. Uh, we should probably start at the city ground. Yeah, light fine. work, light work for Manchester United as Nottingham Forest make it very accommodating. 
Um, yes. What did you think of the performances from both teams? I'm going to talk about Anthony, but I'm going to let you go first. Okay, so I'll talk about how terrible Forest were then. Um, they just pretty much didn't offer too much for Man United in terms of resistance. First half, they were quite shockingly open. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was just a gap in quality between the two sides was very obvious. Um, you know, I think obviously it doesn't help that their main goalkeeper was missing in Dean Henderson. Um, so they had to rely on Wayne Hennessy, mm-hmm. whose reaction skills is as bad as Handanovic when it comes to saving things. Yeah. It's fair I feel to like say. two of those goals don't go in if it's Dean Henderson. I think, he, I think all three potentially. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I think he gets fingertips at least to Rashford's. Mm-hmm. Um, although that was, that was a very a hell well of a goal, though. Taken goal, well taken goal. Second one, obviously, is a rebound. He should have maybe done better mm-hmm. with the sh- initial shots uh, from Casemiro, I think it was, and then Valt Verkhorst with his first goal for Man United fans. So, um, yeah, yeah I'm sure that's going to start his goal scoring spree now. So, that's good news for them. And then the third one was kind of just schoolboy era-esque yeah. it was kind of a ball that came into the box nico Hen- uh, williams even tries to clear it and then <laughs> you, i had a lot of respect for trying to dribble the ball like trying to do kicky uppies with the ball on the edge of your own penalty area i was like you've got to respect that's very the brave fair, very like, brave you've got to very try brave. it yeah. Yeah, yeah it wasn't his fault though because no forgotten there was the nothing else he could have done the defender's name who escapes me, the Nottingham Forest defender, he should have just closed down Bruno Fernandes. Mm-hmm. He just gave him all the space yeah, in the world yeah. and he slots it past Wayne Hennessy. And then that was it. It was kind of, I was thinking about this when I went out for a walk earlier. I was like, Man United could probably afford to have the youth team against Nottingham Forest in the second leg and still progress because mm. you shouldn't do it. But I think yeah. that would be really good for Man United because it allows them to rest certain players. Yeah. Um, I think I, the I think 3-0 that makes sensible. it pretty comfortable. Um, I don't know if Forest have scored three in a game yet this season. Um, so I think I'm going to go with no. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think, yeah, United have kind of got the job done. I think there was that one goal where Surridge got a goal and he was just offside. And I think yes. if yeah. that had gone, if that had counted, if he hadn't have been offside, I think maybe Might it's a different changed game. It. Um, mm. I think United did still look exposed at times. When, when Forest did attack, which was rarely, but when they did their attacks tended to be dangerous. I think United were definitely, they were get-attable. Um, <laughs> but Anthony has a really interesting player. <laughs> I think he scored some absolute mm. worldies, right? He scored Tricks a banger against Man City. Yeah. Um, he just scored unbelievable goals. But then I think when Nicolas, when Nicola Pepe was this ineffective, people were a lot louder than they're being about Anthony. I feel this like there was true. a lot of there was a lot of moments in that game and against Arsenal as well, where I was like, 100 million? Really? Really? Mm. Like, I know, as we've just said about Milan, it takes some players longer than others yeah. to settle into leagues. It takes like, and I'm not trying to pile on him. I'm just like. I think he's done damage to the market in being valued at 100 million, basically, because <laughs> now everyone's going to be measured at him and above. Um, but I thought he had a kind of disappointing night added to his performance against Arsenal. I think they're going to need to get something out of him because Rashford is unbelievable, mm. form of his life, incredible goal. Exactly. He's loving life under Ten Hag, thriving. But yes. 
you can't you can't rely on him to just be your only attacking outlet because teams will just figure that out. Teams will mm. just be alright. We'll just pile on him, and then they won't, they can't do anything. It's when also it's like when Arsenal's only outlet was Kieran Tierney down the left. <laughs> yeah. So teams just went okay. We'll just defend our right wing now. What are you going to yeah. do? <laughs> like, exactly. And that was it. So I think they're going to need players like Anthony to kind of step up a bit and be and kind of find their feet. Um, but yeah, for Forest that was a truly truly. Awful performance. United are through to the fine. Well, United are technically through to the first final. step of going there. Fifty percent in, the basically. Um, in the other leg, we had Newcastle mm. at uh, Saint and uh, no Saint Mary's. Saint Mary's, Saint Mary's yes. Birmingham. Saint Mary's. <laughs> um, really weird decision here. Um, I'm not sure why the Armstrong goal was chalked off. Now it was a handball, right? Yeah. Is what they said. I, as I see it, his hand was in a natural position. It didn't yeah. influence the flight of the ball, and he he headed it in. Right, I that's a goal for me. That's yeah. a goal. I, I thought when I saw it, it looks like a goal. I mm. think it, it's one of those where VAR, when you slow it down, it can make it look like it was handball, and that that's my issue with it. I think. Um, because if VAR is not there, that gets given, I think that and that changes the yeah. complexity of that game a bit, like what we said with Sarage's goal against Man United. But I do feel on the balance of play, if we take that goal out of it, um, Newcastle seemed to be all over Southampton. And if Joel Linton had his goal scoring <laughs> boots, which he eventually did, right? Yeah, um, yeah he had a few chances he, to be fair. There was two <laughs> sitters in particular, <laughs> one that he blasted. God knows where that was going. It was a bit <laughs> Harry Kane esque, wasn't it? I yeah, think, that was the penalty spot. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's one of those. But you have to also say kudos to the defence. I think that's what you were going to call out anyway. But that defence plus Pope. Um, and he's not the Catholic Pope we're talking here, Nick Pope. Um, he has been incredible for. Him. What, so they've now not conceded. They've now not conceded in one, two, three, four, four games. The last, the last game they conceded in was Sheffield Wednesday, right? Which yeah. is the last game they lost. But before that game, they hadn't conceded in one, two, three, four as well. So basically, nine out of eight out of nine games, they've kept a clean sheet, which is okay. utterly mental. Um, I think it's just incredible coaching from Eddie Howe. It's genuinely incredible coaching. I think the job he's doing, regardless of everything else and all the other noise around Newcastle, it is an incredible job he's doing. Sven Botman has been an amazing signing. Yeah. Kieran Trippier has brought that a whole presence to that team. Mm. That I think people are obviously realising that, but I think he's one of their most important players, if not their most important player. Um, Alongside that, improving players like Fabian Shaw and stuff like that. I think it's just an incredible, incredible um, coaching performance from Eddie Howe. And Newcastle are not here to like mess about. I think mm. when I was watching the the two games, I was like, oh, United look really like United are looking really good. They're looking really fast, attacking, direct. They're like threatening. They're looking good. And I was watching it looking at Newcastle and I was like, I think Newcastle shut out this United team. Like, I think. Like mm. Newcastle have now reached a level where and they've done it incredibly quickly, where they're competing with the big teams, <laughs> like with the you know big six. And I think I I said it when the semi-finals were drawn. I think Newcastle are still the favourites. I, I still think there's something about Eddie Howe winning his first trophy at, at Newcastle. I can just see it, and I think in a big game he gets it done. Mm, I was going to say without overindulging around. An interview that we've been having as mm. pods, 
um there is a newcastle legends legends that we've spoken to um but in the interview that you did rory without naming the player yeah. or person in particular what was their indication of this newcastle squad what, what was their kind of thoughts Did they think this was like revolutionary did they were they pleased were they happy with what they've seen so far um, I would say they were very, very excited. Um, mm. They kind of compared it to the time they were first at the club. There's a mm. little clue for you. Um, and just said, yeah, it's a very exciting time to be a Newcastle fan. And they are definitely, definitely, definitely hoping that he delivers the first trophy for the club since 1955. I can confirm that. Or 1965. Um, but yeah, they, they were saying that it was... Um, like the roots are being put in and it's being very sensible. It's just very sensible yeah. what they're doing and they're not doing, yeah, they're not being mad about it. They've not got Todd Bowley in. They're kind of being sensible and thinking, right, let's put the process yeah. in. This takes time. And they're, they're overachieving for where they should be, I think. I think, or they're ahead of schedule. They're definitely ahead mm. of schedule. Um, so, 1-0 against Southampton. Southampton will be pretty gutted because I think that goal would have been a huge thing to take to St. James's Park. Um, but I think Nathan Jones is getting a better performances out of Southampton. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I think of all the teams that are down there, they're the ones that are looking like improving, um, whereas others are not showing much sign of improvement. Yeah. Um, so I think re signs for hope. Um, for Southampton fans, I think, and it's still one nil. You never know; it is still only is one it. nil. Newcastle definitely should have made it more. They were really wasteful in front of goal. Really yeah. wasteful in front of goal. Um, so before we go into the next part, very quickly, transfer business. Um, yes, it's come out today that <laughs> <laughs> as if things can't get any worse for Everton fans, um, boyhood fan anthony gordon everton's own has decided to not turn up for training because newcastle have shown interest um what happens here adam i think he will make a move i i think there's been for a few days i've been listening to radio sources as well as just you know sources on the likes of twitter etc social media it does seem like Newcastle were planning this window to attract a bid for his services. I think they want to get someone that's quite youthful on the ball that will potentially have growth that fits the philosophy of Dan Ashworth and certainly someone that maybe Eddie Howe can get the best out of. I think the only problem I have with it is that what has he done in the last sort of six months that kind of warrants this kind of interest? And, you know, we... We talked at the last window about the fees that were being floated about for him at Chelsea, potentially. And it was just like gobsmacks that like someone that hasn't really delivered. He's shown promise. That's that's definitely there. But has he shown consistency? I mean, no, I'll put I, it to I, you. I mean, what does he add to that squad now that you've seen Newcastle on Tuesday? Do you think he adds something different to what they already have? Look, if... If Eddie Howe can turn Almiron into a goal-scoring machine and get those goals out of Almiron, I think he can do it with Anthony Gordon. I think Anthony Gordon is a proper shit house, and he's a proper wind-up. Yeah. He fucking loves it. But I think he's he's quick as hell. I think he has got a finish in him, although a lot of goals of his have been deflected and a bit scuffed. <laughs> like a bit scuffed. But I think there is a player there. It just needs to be like, 
carved and molded. Mm. And I think maybe if he gets into like a club that isn't a bin fire, then maybe he can be turned into that player. I think the prices that were being quoted were absolute madness. I was like, for a player who's got three or four Premier League get goals, just because he's English, all of a sudden it's 60 million. Like the money was absolutely mental. I think Newcastle would have to pay. I think if you offer Everton now 35, 40 million, they sell him without even thinking about it because they need to improve that squad everywhere. Um, But well, and in them trying to improve their squad, um, Dan Juma has joined Tottenham in the... Oh my god! If I was an Everton most fan, random honestly, transfer ever. <laughs> well, the did you see the DM that the Everton fan shared? I haven't. No, no. So an Everton fan DM Dan Juma saying, "Come to Goodison, lad. Like we need you. Okay. you can, like we yeah, need yeah. you to give hundred percent when you come to Goodison." And he replied, "And I will give everything to keep you in the Premier League." And then within an hour, signed for Tottenham. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Crazy. So he has decided that he's off to Tottenham. I think that is an interesting signing. I think for Villarreal, mm. for ages, he's been a very like for, he's been good at Villarreal. He's right? Been he good, was, yeah. He was killing it at Bournemouth before yes, that. Before he yeah, went to Villarreal. so yeah. he started so it in I the think... Championship as well because it was that interest from Villarreal that got him to move at the time. But yeah, mm-hmm. he he's an interesting player because he's also done it in Champions League for Villarreal. Yeah. So I think he's got potential, but. Thinking about it, who does he displace in that Spurs squad? Is it Son? Is it, you know, I mean... Richardson, <laughs> who's I done nothing. I, this is true. This is true. I mean, he's been mainly a bench player, though, hasn't he, to be fair, mm-hmm. Richarlison? So I'm I'm just curious because, um, obviously, they've been rumoured to go for the Porto or Sporting oh, Lisbon yeah. right back. Now, he's not really a right back. He's a right wing back. So he's basically fits in with that like Conte, Conte philosophy. Yeah, yeah. But then if Conte's leaving in the summer, which is what the rumours are coming out as, why would you buy someone that's probably only going to last this system and then have to, it's almost they're going to have to spend don't... something like 52 million, aren't they? They're going to splash out 60 odd million on this right, right wing back. And then the next manager that comes in is just going to go four, four, two. And then he's out of the door. He's out of the door for like, if they're lucky, a loan deal back to Sporting <laughs> Lisbon, and they'll be lucky if they get ten million back. That's what's going to happen. It's almost as if they don't have a plan, Adam. It's almost <laughs> as if they don't have a plan. It's mad, right? Um, <laughs> but Everton, so I'm just going to keep banging the drum on Everton. They are apparently lining up Hakim Ziyech um, as a bring in from Chelsea. Now I love Ziyech. He is a beautiful player to watch. I don't know if he's a player you want in a relegation fight. No, no, I can't see that happening. I think there's been rumours of him going to Roma on loan and Milan was rumoured today as well, um, which is, I can't see him fitting into that system with Pioli. I don't know, maybe gives that balance, maybe even gives Liao a bit of a rest, potentially. Um, But yeah, again, it's an interesting development. I think we'll see him back somewhere across shores I, I think he's been frozen out in the Premier League I think maybe some defenders have found out how to play against him as well I don't know what you think mm. I think maybe he's a bit found out in the Premier League but he'd probably do it across the like shores and uh, I think he'd be very good for Serie A I think it'd be mm. a welcome addition down there for sure um, 
But whilst we're on the theme of Serie A, did you see the news of Bournemouth having their bid accepted for Zaniolo, <laughs> only for Zaniolo to turn down a chance to uh, live, it, live it up in Dorset? You don't want to play in front of that 10,000 capacity stadium, <laughs> no? No? F- I, I, what I will say is congratulations to Bournemouth for just mm. being like, you know the what, ambition. It, why not? Yeah. Absolutely. We've I thought I was watching an FM screen when that news came up because it felt <laughs> like have, an like, FM story. Sorry, my comment was really, really harsh on Bournemouth, but they <laughs> like why not go for these players? They're a night. They're a they good got the club. money now. They're, yeah, they're definitely going to be in the Premier League next year. I don't think there's really. I don't think they're really in danger of going down at the minute. Um, I think there's teams worse than them. Um, yeah. Let me just remind myself of the table before I say that. Um, they, they, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, maybe put a put a relegation release clause <laughs> in that contract. Asterisks to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, asterisks. Ignore everything I just said. But no, I think yeah, put a relegation release clause in that contract, Nicolo, if you're going to join. But um, I like that they're being ambitious and being like, you know what, yeah. we can definitely offer this guy something. Um, but even at Bournemouth, I'd be like, nah, just leave that guy, man. Don't worry about it. Just go and get someone else. Um, but a story I also did want to jump on very quickly before we talk about the in balance across Europe and the leagues yes. is um now I think it's good I think it's just John but it's J J H O N Johan uh Johan Duran who's joined Aston Villa from Chicago Fire um Colombian center forward he's come okay. through the famous um academy at Envigado that FM players will know because it produces all the good Colombian players. <laughs> James Rodriguez came through there. Um and I don't know if you saw the video of his announcement or him like it's one of the videos about, about his signings where um Juan Pablo Angel greeted him on the big yes. screen to Aston Villa in Spanish talking about how the club and the fans made him feel at home. He's still an Aston Villa fan and like the the whole end that you are currently sat in. I saw the faces and the tears and just a really beautiful moment. You can see how much mm. it meant to that guy. Um, at Chicago Fire, you had eight goals in 27 games, nine goals in 47 games for Envigado in Colombia. Um, and just a player to keep an eye on. Quite exciting. Only 19 years of, uh, years of age. Um, winger, attacking centre forward, yeah. could be a player to keep an eye on. Someone that Emery, I think in his system, exactly. young players, wingers, he loves it. Yeah. I think someone that could be a clever little buy on the Fantasy Premier League to have on your bench just in case. He sounds like an upgrade there. on Ings as well, doesn't he? You know, a Danny little bit Ings going to West Ham with his injury history as well. That's a big and I keep saying very quickly, but very, very quickly, Mikel Antonio today on his podcast saying there's a possibility he could leave um, West Ham in this window. Ooh, um, okay, saying he wouldn't want to leave, he doesn't want to leave, but there's a possibility he could leave. Um, which would so be, be going to Bournemouth, clearly. Um, massive. Anyone who gets him is getting an incredible, oh, yeah, player. quality like, player, quality hell. player. Yeah, like, I think I'm just Milan, to- Milan, get Mikel. Antonio in fucking hell. I'm going to extend to this bit before we actually talk about the topic we want. Um, Did you see the shithousery from Inter fans, in particular our friend Uncle Sharma, about Mm. maybe Gagliardini going to Nottingham Forest and saying how he's a brilliant player, he's Vieira-esque. I loved it. (laughs) I loved the way that Nottingham Forest were kind of 
being fished here and they were like buying this bait they were like look at the goals look at these clips he's he's, he's amazing absolute bangers like, to be fair bangers. to him <laughs> yeah he does only only bangers only bangers uh but yeah he does nothing else definitely um, 70 million right <laughs> yeah, yeah so we do need to quickly well not quickly who knows we need to talk about how football is officially <laughs> broken so adam take us through the figures of the clubs, what they've spent across Europe and why yes. the Super League already exists. So, um, yeah, I'm going to just talk it as it is currently so far in terms of transfer spent across Europe. And it wouldn't surprise you to say that Premier League is leading the way as per usual. However, it's in stark contrast to the likes of La Liga, Serie A, Ligue 1 and the Bundesliga. So um, if we start off with the league that spent the least, it is Serie A currently on 9 million euros. 9 million. That is yeah. a quarter of it's... Anthony Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> you get one you might leg. get a leg, basically, yeah. a leg. Um, you are followed up by League Arm with 21 million euros. Um, then it's followed by La Liga with 24 million euros. Oof. Bundesliga at 48 million, which kind of baffled That's me. I'm bad, trying to, trying to work out where these monies have gone to because Jan Sommer, I think, was 8.5 million. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there you go. That's 40 million has got to be made up somewhere. And then Premier League on a massive 466 million so far to date. Um <laughs> It's uh, inevitable, unfortunately, Rory, that this Super League aspect is going to happen. Um, but it seems to be that Premier League fans are still kind of saying, no, no, it's not going to happen. And they're on the high horses. But if clubs in Europe are struggling for funds, they're struggling to if, generate yeah. the same revenues as the Premier League, it's inevitable that they're going to want this and demand this. Otherwise, you know, they can't sustain this. They can't continue to develop talents to then sell on to the Premier League clubs. I mean, yeah. where, where do you stand on this now? Because I think at the time we were rightly calling it out and saying this is injustice. We shouldn't be talking about Super Leagues. But when we've got this kind of accounting aspect that is basically financing the rest of Europe if they sell a player, it just doesn't seem fair anymore. It's not like an equal talent across the board. I mean, I remember no. the years where there was always the kind of battles between Italian league versus Spanish league versus the Premier League. And it was always a case of who was the top team in Europe. And now you don't get that anymore. It seems to be all hoovered up by the Premier League. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, it almost feels unnatural now, the Premier League. And I think a lot of people are getting detracted by the Premier League. I mean, where, where do you stand on it? <laughs> There's a lot of people who aren't fans of the Premier League, yeah. who are like Serie A fans, who are Bundesliga fans, who fucking hate the Premier League, and I do not blame them at all because any player that comes anywhere near good in your league, Bournemouth yeah. come in with a bid and are like, <laughs> yeah. "We want your striker." I Fuck off! Who are you? <laughs> like, I can definitely understand how that would like really, really piss you off if you were like, I don't know. Yeah, a fan of like a mid-table German team or even someone like Dortmund or somewhere. Just like, for Christ's yeah. sake, we can't build anything because anyone, the second anyone shows any sign of promise, it's like, here's 100 million or fuck off. Like, so I think I can understand where the, where the um, mm. anger comes from. But I think, but then with my Premier League head on, I think, well, market your fucking league better. The Premier League mm. wasn't, the, the like the Premier League wasn't the biggest league in Europe. Serie A was, right? 
And then the Premier League started marketing themselves and they just absolutely blew everyone out of the water because they've been the best at marketing the league, selling the league. They've mm. just been the best at it. It's Serie A can still not figure out their foreign broadcasting rights and no, get the contract sorted baffling. out. They're fucking terrible at it. So don't... <laughs> Like, the anger then shouldn't be directed at the Premier League, directed towards the people who run your league and who can't figure their shit out. Because there's no reason why Serie A, with the history of the clubs, with the beauty of the game, with, like, the the like the like aesthetic of mm. the Bologna Stadium is more beautiful than fucking Reading in the Premier League. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's much more marketable, right? It's much easier to sell. So... Do your job, and then you can start marketing the marketing the league, increasing those TV rights, increasing the prize money. Now, the other question is: Is it too far down the road at this point? Yes, I think it is. Like <laughs> because the Premier League has marketed themselves so well that across most countries, people only give a shit about the Premier League. Any like every time I've I've worked in Kazakhstan, I've worked in Poland, I've worked in Spain, mm. I've like traveled quite a lot, and people only give a shit about the Premier League. Barcelona and Real Madrid, that's it. Like, mm. they're not supporting Athletic Bilbao, right? No. They're not They're not supporting, um, like, I don't know, Wolfsburg in Germany. Like, so <laughs> it's, it's true. It, it's, I think it is too far down the road. The Premier League is this, like, mammoth thing that has just dominated the world's, like, the football world. And I think, how, how can we go about equalizing it or making it? It's somewhere near a level playing field. I do not know. I think unless we, I don't know. I honestly don't know. You can't even say, right, the Premier League have to give money to European clubs. Like, no. you can't even get the Premier League to give money to the EFL. Like, that's a bloody fight. So, like, I think, I don't know where or what you do to try and level the playing field, basically, because what's going to happen, like the, and the beauty of the Champions League, until they change it, is that yeah. still England team, English teams aren't dominating it, right? It's They're still not, won no. by Spanish teams, not Italian teams, but Spanish teams, German teams. Like, there's still a variety of winners. If they change it, I'm not sure if that continues to happen, because I think there would just be a monopoly on all the talent, and any English team that gets in there will just be better than the Italian equivalent, than the Spanish equivalent, bar... Barcelona and Real Madrid like and even Barcelona we don't know how long that's going to be on for because mm. at some point their consequences their chickens are going to come home to roost at some point yeah, they have true. to they have to like so I don't know it, it seems like the, the game is in a real sorry state but my last thing before I let you jump in sorry is with yeah. the Super League I'm not even necessarily against the idea of a European Super League what the idea that I'm against is the no relegation, no promotion, like the closed yeah, yeah. gate of it. That's what I'm yeah. against. Like, I am i don't like the, we have the divine right to be great. You guys have to earn your right. That's what I don't like about it. I think a European Super League is where football's heading. So if there was a point where it was, okay, you have the European Super League, but if Arsenal have a shite season, then you're playing in the Premier League, you don't get your Super League games. Yeah. And I would want the Super League to run concurrently with the domestic league. I don't want teams leaving their domestic league, right? Mm, like, I don't want yeah. Arsenal getting promoted from the Premier League into the European Super League. No, the European Super League is something that's additional. That would be... Yeah, yeah. In, in then circumstances, I don't have any real issues with it. It's kind of like the NFL at that point, but not closed. It's just a Super League, right? I yeah. don't know how you feel about it. 
I t- yeah, I almost try. I've just been trying to think of different ideas that you would kind of try and maybe counteract this kind of Super League idea. And it, it almost brings me back to the original Champions League format where it always was the champions of every country's mm-hmm. league. That's the way it used to be. It got to a point where teams got greedy because they finished second, they finished third. And that's where they started going, oh, we're missing out on that revenue because mm-hmm. this club's gone through. Or yet yeah, we've always got bloody Rosenberg in these group yeah. stages. We don't want every them in the year. group stages. We don't want Legia Warsaw yeah. turning yeah. up at this group stages. And that's where it became like a point. So... Does it mean, I mean, I'm just putting it out there, do we think that maybe just going reverting backwards potentially? Because then you've got those clubs that always finish second or third. They'd always be in the UEFA Cup or the Cup Winners' Cup. And you always got one or two of the big teams like your Barcelona's winning those competitions, right? There was always that one team that were outside of that mix. And it almost feels like you're going to have to do something like that just to break the monopoly. You can't mm. constantly try to revamp the Champions League because the current proposed format looks absolutely fucking terrible. Yeah, it looks absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrendous. Horrible. You were yeah. talking about FM saves and I do, do, it ruined it, honestly. It is. I worked my bollocks off to get Vizra Krakow into the Champions League. And then by the time I got there, I was like, oh, this is terrible. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I think, yeah, I, I don't like the plans that are bringing in. I think that's kind of what the Europa League and the Conference League are trying to be, right? Kind of spread the wealth a little bit, try and get the... And I think they're doing a fairly good job of it. I just think what what the problem is, is that the the a team that's getting relegated from the Premier League can afford more than the champions of Italy. That's the problem. Yeah. That, like, you get more for finishing bottom of the Premier League than you do for winning Serie Yeah, That is, like, taken away from European football and, like, you know, the competitions and stuff. It has to be... That, that there's an issue there that needs to be addressed, but people getting paid much more than me need to figure this out because I do not know how you fix it. I just think it's something that, unfortunately it's kind of ruining the other leagues. Now, what we are seeing is like a dominance of one team in more leagues. Yeah. So you've got Bayern in Germany, right? You've got PSG in France, um, Real Madrid and Barcelona in uh, in Spain, yeah, basically. It's, it's just yeah. those two. Atletico might pop up every so often, but basically it's Real Madrid Barcelona. And then in Italy, you've got no clear winner and everyone's a little bit... Everyone's not that great, but it's a really even playing field, so it keeps it entertaining. It's enjoyable, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. So I think maybe you just got to find your fun there. I love Serie A. Serie A is the best it's been for a while because anyone can win it. And it's it could be four different winners in four years. That's mental. It doesn't yeah, happen in many places. Crazy enough. Um, but you would say on the European stage, Italian clubs are not making an impact at all. So you have to say that yeah, maybe the quality has dipped a bit, but it's a more mm. level playing field. I don't know. It's it it'll be interesting to see how the leagues develop. Because I think the league earned this year is actually a bit closer, I suppose. But we mm. are seeing kind of more monopolization of leagues. Yeah. Um, and I think that is down to the the lower clubs that don't get European football just not getting any income, yeah. just not being able to to keep compete with Bournemouth offering for Nicolo Saniolo, right? <laughs> um, but guys, we're gonna. I think that's it. we're gonna give a, a quick yeah, break we'll there, right? Um, nice, very very quick break. We promise we won't leave you for long, and we're gonna come back and preview FA Cup action, Serie A action. See you there. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. Here we are, last part of the show. We are ready to talk about 
some FA Cup fourth round action, and we're going to leave the big one to the end. But I'm going to throw out, Adam, I'm going to throw out two games that I think are going to be a shock, and then you throw out two games that you think upsets of the round. Let's do it. So my first upset of the round, I'm going to be bold and say, I don't know if this is an upset, but I'm going to say Brighton beat Liverpool. Um, Last time it was, I think Brighton have scored three against Liverpool the last few times I've played them. Um, yeah. It does seem to be a bit of a bogey team for the Reds at the moment. We've seen mm. Deserby Ball popping off. Evan Ferguson, the future of Irish football, killing it. <laughs> um, so I think this could be this could be an upset of the round if it counts as an upset. Give me one of your upsets, Adam. I am going to go for Walsall, who are home to Leicester City on Saturday. Now, um, Leicester City, it's fair to say, haven't been doing quite well in the league. Walsall, on the other hand, have been doing really well in the FA Cup run. Uh, Beat my beloved Wickham in the first round, but they've also pulled off some shocks along the way, beating even Stockport County in the last round. I think they could have legs here. I think they could, you know, in that Bescott Stadium, which is situated nicely on that M6. Right, always, on the motorway. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. when you go past, everyone looks across to see that yeah. stadium on the M6. That is, uh, yeah, it's, I've, it's I've been to that, that stadium a few times. It's got one of the worst views in football, I'm going to say. The away <laughs> end, the away end, you've just got massive pylons the whole way across. I remember watching the Alex Walsall and just being like this for 90 minutes (laughs) as the game's like going on around me. Uh, But yeah, you're right. Every time you go past, it's like, oh, that's Walsall. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. That could be a big shock. Um, Leicester looking, yeah, in all sorts of trouble. Um, My next upset is going to be, I'm going to go for, um, which one am I going to go for? I'm going to say... Wrexham, Sheffield United, Ooh. under the lights, maybe. It depends how dark, yes, how early it gets course. dark in Wrexham on a Sunday at half past five. But maybe the second half under the lights in Wrexham with Rob Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. Rob Reynolds? Ryan, yes, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Like my dad. Ryan Reynolds and Rob <laughs> McElhenney um, there. I think this has got everything, all the yes. ingredients for a classic FA Cup shock. Um, and they're going to be, they're, they're both great on Twitter whenever Wrexham are on, uh, whenever Wrexham are playing, but it'll be definitely worth following them and following the game. Sheffield United obviously flying at the top of the championship yes, at the minute, are. looking like they are Premier League bound. Is their focus going to be on the FA Cup? Maybe not. They could mm. rotate the squad a little bit. So I think this has all the ingredients. And of course, bang your mortgage on Paul Mullen getting a goal. Yes, especially with those boots saying "fuck the Tories." So yeah. uh, yes, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Uh, my man, Paul Mullen. Good man. I'm going to add my mix. Then my last court is going to be Preston North End to beat Spurs at home. So Preston North. You End, could say that. I couldn't say it. if I said it. Yes, I, like I thought grapes. I thought I would do it because it was not a game that I was going to call out, but I'm not going to. But it's Preston North End versus Spurs. I think based on their record so far, Preston North End traditionally quite hard team you know they're not going to make it easy for Spurs Spurs going up to Preston ain't going to be easy either that's not a pleasant place to go to you know there's cobble streets in Lancashire um yeah nice stadium though Deepdale it has to be said Um, it's one of those that I think on the cold night Spurs won't fancy it necessarily and if Kante plays the way he has been 
I think there could be at least a goal, at least a goal yeah. for Preston North End here. So um, I'm expecting maybe a 1-0 win here. I'm going to call it 1-0 win. What about you, nice. Rory? Nice. Good. And of course, we need to talk about the big one. It is tonight, as you guys are listening. Manchester City taking on the mighty Arsenal. Um, <laughs> as we see, now this is such a big, bloody game. The weird thing is, right, before... Mm. Before Spurs and before United, I was like sick with nerves, right? Like honestly, yeah. just like just quiet and uneasy. And you, everyone, you know, Derby Day, right? You're just shitting yeah. yourself consistently until it actually the final whistle blow. With City, I have no real feelings either way. <laughs> I know it's a big game, but I'm not like as like afraid of losing. Um, yeah, yeah. But then when I think about it, I'm like, this is a big psychological test. This is a proper like. This is like the first round of a boxing match, right? I think both teams are going to be feeling each other out, knowing that we have to play each other twice in the league. This is going to be such a little like sparring match of like, right, who's got what? Who's going to expose and show what they can do? I I think it's going to be a super cagey affair. It will be interesting to see how much both managers rotate. Um, I think we're going to see some rotation from Arsenal. I think we're going to see Matt Turner in goal. I think we're going to see probably Emil Smith-Rowe get a start, try and get his start. Maybe Kivior gets his start. Yeah. Maybe we could see Fabio Vieira. I think we could see a bit of a rotated side. I think for mm. City, probably the same. Might see Rico Lewis, who is going under the radar. Yeah. A very, very, very good player, by the way. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how, like, how much of a risk each manager takes. Or if one manager just goes full strength, like, fuck you, let's do it. I don't yeah, know. It'll exactly. be really interesting. But um, yeah, Friday night. Big, big game. I'm not going to predict this one. I'm just going to see what happens because yeah. this, I, I I, would love to go far in the FA Cup. I would love to win the FA Cup. It's our trophy. We've won it the most. But I definitely give more of a shit about the Premier League at the moment. <laughs> so if we have to lose this in order to win the Premier League, deal. Let's do that. That's yes, it. I will take it. <laughs> um, so we're going to move on from the FA Cup and we need to preview the Serie A weekend that is before yes. us. Um, and we can only start in one place. Unfortunately, I think it's the last game of the weekend, so you have to wait for it. Serie A, really good at doing this, making you wait, <laughs> make you wait. On Sunday night at, of course, 2045, we have Derby della Sole as Napoli take on Roma. Adam, how do you feel about this one? I, I'm looking forward to it because, again, it's going to be contrast of stars here. Mourinho versus Spalletti. I, I expect Spalletti to get over, or get the win over Mourinho and Roma. I think the quality will be there, showing how vast there is a difference between the two clubs at this moment's time. However, I'm expecting Roma to give a bit of a game because I think they will trouble the defensive lines, especially with Dybala and Abraham in Rich vein of form as well, it has to be said. I just think defensively, Roma are a bit short when it comes to Faradskelia, Osimen, mm. and whoever else they decide to play on that right-hand side of that trio. So, yeah, what about you? I'm just looking at their head-to-head. It's a bit mad. Roma haven't beat Napoli since 2019. Uh, Zaniolo, who has got so many mentions in this pod, Zaniolo and Veritu getting the goals. In the last six games, Napoli have won four of them and Roma have only scored two goals. Um, So Roma's record against Napoli is not great. Last year, Napoli won 1-0 in Rome and they drew one all at the Diego Armando Maradona. So I think there's only really 
one winner here based on yeah. form, but it is a derby, so you never know. I do like Mourinho and Spalletti's little bromance that they do have, though. They do really like <laughs> each other, it seems. So I do like that. But I expect yeah. Napoli to get the W and keep on mm. marching elsewhere in Serie A this weekend. I'm going to kind of quickly take you through the weekend. Um, if there are yeah. any games you want to talk about, just shout, Adam. Um, yeah, there's sure. Bologna Spezia Friday yes. night or no, tonight. No, I mean, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Good. I was going to say, oh, God. Um, Bologna Spezia tonight at half past six. Um, and then half past six what and then quarter to yes. nine we have Lecce taking on Salernitana I won't even finish work by that point uh, <laughs> quarter to nine we have Lecce versus Salernitana in a kind of southern battle let's say um, Empoli versus Torino on Saturday in a mid-table clash mm-hmm. Cremonese hosting Inter can they get their first win in Serie A Inter no. fresh off that defeat to Empoli I think they're going to be pretty mm. pretty willing and able and ready to put that defeat behind them um then the late kickoff on saturday this could be an ugly one uh atalanta taking on sampdoria sampdoria leaking like a sieve and atalanta scoring like we know they love to how many goals we saying i'm gonna put out there five um yeah i'm gonna say no, you know what? I, I'm just I'm just gonna price his right here and say six, just because it's a bit <laughs> mad. <laughs> it's just a bit madder. But I yeah. think Sampdoria get like two. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a mad one, but Atlanta will definitely win. Yeah. Then early on Sunday we have Milan versus Sassuolo. Milan, this is your chance. Sassuolo chance. have been terrible. They are only <laughs> heading in one direction. You have to beat them. You have to beat them. So I swallow their form. If they don't, that would be woeful. If they don't, um, that's a great result for Sassuolo as well yeah. because they are the second most leakiest defence of mm-hmm. the recent forms. So, yes, um, I, I can only see Milan scraping a 1-0 win, though. I, th- I think they will scrape a win, but yeah. if they don't, that could be quite bad for Pioli. I think that might start their kind of hammer on his coffin mm-hmm. kind of moment, potentially. It is a big one. That's at half 12 Central European time. Um, on Sunday, then we have Juventus versus Monza. That's an interesting one. Uh, Monza kind of springing a few surprises. Juventus, after that incredible game against Atalanta, will be looking to get another three points. And then mm. Sunday, Adam, a game you wanted to kind of talk about, I think. Yeah. Lazio taking on Fiorentina. Yeah, I, I'm just putting it out there because Lazio, after this game, have got to go away to Juventus. So a win here would definitely help cement some distance and potentially if they can win or at least get a point against Juventus, I think that really keeps them in the top four because I was looking at the fixtures earlier. Napoli is towards March time and then in between that, they've got a fairly easy-ish run should we say they've got teams that are in the bottom half of the table to play so i think these are the big games that they have to make the most of fiorentina not great it has to be said um we spoke about them i think last week around how attacking wise they're really short at the moment italiano i don't know what the future is for him at fiorentina it looks not pretty for him at the moment it has to be said i mm. I, I don't know what, what what's your thoughts on fiorentina's this season 
We've talked about just they just can't score. They can't mm. score. I think Italiano, they're not really going to get a better manager than him at the moment. They just need to stick with him, wait for this system to work. They're not in any danger. They're not going to qualify for Europe. Just let this guy, let him build. Just let him build and he'll get enough points. He'll get you there. He just needs a bit more time. I really think he's such an exciting coach. He's such mm. an exciting coach. I just, and I, I could see him doing things with Fiorentina if he just has that time to get the players he needs. They need a striker that scores. They tried with Jovic and it's just not quite yeah. working at the minute. It was a risk that it could have paid off. It really could yeah. have paid off, but at the moment it just isn't. Um, and then finally, the last game of the Serie A weekend is Udinese on Monday night hosting Verona. Um, fresh from a win last weekend, Verona are going to be looking to try and to get some kind of hold on getting out of the relegation zone. They are mm. currently five points behind Sassuolo. But if Sassuolo lose and they win, that is reduced to two points. So there is, there is a chance. Guys, we are finished for today. I think that's everything we've covered. That was a yep. long one. There wasn't much football, but we sure made a lot of it. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod, on Instagram at AngloItalianPod. Follow us on TikTok at AngloItalianPod. Find us on LinkedIn, subscribe on YouTube, and make sure to like this video. It's all down here. Adam, anything to say before I send our listeners off with the quote that I definitely remembered to do this week? Certo. Certo. That's all I'm going to sign out with. Certo. Beautiful. We are definitely ready. And of course, the quote, it comes from a press conference with Guardiola talking about a man who has a special place in my heart. He's a supporter. He was a captain there. He loves the club. I remember here when we scored goals, he jumped a lot, except against one team. He was sitting there. It was Arsenal. I said, that guy likes Arsenal. Thanks for listening, guys. We will see you on Monday. Ciao, ciao. Sports Social Podcast Network.